Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. In today's show, I interview Jason Howe from Agency J, and there are three key things you are gonna take away from this episode. Number one, you're gonna learn the most profitable kind of funnel to use in your coaching or consulting business today from a guy who's done over $20 million in revenue for his clients. So it's coming from a credible source. Number two, you're gonna hear how Jason's most successful clients are combining the power of podcasting and paid traffic to land more coaching clients in a very, very effective way. And number three, you're gonna learn how Jason used a podcast himself to grow his company, scale his revenue, and ultimately create the perfect offer for his audience. All that and much, much more in today's interview. So without further ado, enjoy my episode with Jason Howe. In a world where ad costs are continually rising, and prospects are getting more and more skeptical about who they can trust, how can you reach new people in a way that's authentic and effective? A place where you can build trust at scale and convert skeptical prospects into raving fans and clients. Hey, my name is Luis Diaz, and you're listening to the Podcast Podcast Domination Domination Show, the place for entrepreneurs and businesses that want to know how to build a podcast that helps them grow their business, get more clients, and build their brand. I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. All right, so Jason, thank you for being on the Podcast Domination Show. I'm excited to talk with you, man, because you have been someone who has not shown up my radar until you popped into my e- my inbox. <laughs> and and <laughs> most listeners most listeners know 99% of those people I turn away. Um, but there are a few 1% that I do um, invite on the show because they have an impressive track record, impressive resume. And man, you, you really fit the bill. So um, before diving into what we're going to talk about today and I'll say for anyone who's interested, I'll link below your your LinkedIn because I think um, one of the things you do really well in glancing over your marketing, man, is, is positioning yourself in on LinkedIn um, as an expert and an authority, even though that's not podcast specific. I think still think it goes a long way. But before, for people who don't know you and don't know your business, um, could you just kind of give us an overview of what you do and um, yeah, what you're up to right now and what you've been doing for the past couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me here, Louis. Um, so, you know, it's my honor to be here. So um, I basically, you know, just like many people, that I do own a marketing agency and we specialize in helping 
um, coaches and course creators, they are doing at least like half a million dollars to how to kind of get into that seven and multiple seven figure zone. Uh, most of our clients are doing at least seven figures now. Um, and we have really helped them by using paid ads, email marketing, and just fun optimization to get them to, to that place. So if you don't know what all those jargons are, basically we, we send paid traffic using Facebook and Instagram. We send emails to the existing email list to nurture them and to increase uh, or to get them to buy more. Or we basically use a, a, you know kind of copywriting strategies and methods to kind of improve you know, the conversion rates on their website or their offers and things like that. So um, I've been running an agency, uh, I would say since 2018, but my journey really started since 2012 as a freelancer when I learned more about Facebook ads while I was still um, a freshman in university. So I was pretty much, uh, you could say, spending about 60, 70% of my time working and about 30 to 40% of my time studying. And after I graduated and after my first job, I kind of pivoted and went into um, the digital marketing scene. That was really where I wanted to be. Um, so, you know, it's been nine years since that journey and I'm here. Um, you know, the agency is doing well. We have clients that we love working with and just been it's been fun. Very cool. Very cool, dude. So for some people who don't know, um, you've produced upwards of $20 million dollars. $20 million in verifiable revenue for your clients. Um, yeah. And it's funny thing here, I, I've, um, I was reading a bit in your bio, is that you're a self-proclaimed math nerd. So tell me a little bit <laughs> about how that, how that kind of plays into um, how you got started, what you're doing right now, um, and then we can kind of get into some strategies around growing and scaling a podcast and or business. Absolutely. So when I was, um, you know, I just started this journey, uh, one of the things that I came across and I started starting marketing and reading articles online was that everyone was full of three ways to grow your business using Facebook. And I had all these fluffy kind of like, you know, tips like writing blog articles, promoting them online, using hashtags. And it was just like, you know, it was just over the same thing over and over again. So uh, one day I looked at Facebook and I was like, wow, they're coming with these interesting metrics. You know, there are things like reach, click-through rates and things that you don't, you know, use to find in traditional marketing. And I got really excited. So back then I really kind of demystified the whole thing for everybody by writing articles on data, on metrics and what they mean. Like for example, one thing that a lot of people still don't know till this day is that the reach number on Facebook is a model data. It is not an actual number of people that you reach. It's the number that Facebook thinks that it has already served um, to you know the, the different group of people. It's model data, it's not an actual reach. So um, I kind of wrote the first few articles online about these things. Um, I caught the attention of um, you know um, a, the founder of Agora Pulse, who is one of like basically um, you know, Agora Pulse today is one of the top three to four social media marketing tools in the world. Um, yep. But back then, I, you know, I got started really because they hired me to write articles for them because they wanted something technical. They wanted something that would kind of differentiate their content from everyone else. Um, so, yeah, so I've always been very data driven, even till this day, uh, the systems, the, the way we optimize and our campaigns, the way we improve and study how we can make and produce better winner ads and things like that all comes down to data and I've trained my team on how to analyze data. Like I can 
I can safely say that you know, of 10 people that I speak to who run Facebook ads, like six or seven of them don't actually analyze the data. They simply describe, they read the data and they make decisions. Um, but for me, I really try to understand and analyze what the numbers are telling me. And that's, I think that's one of the fundamental reasons why our success rate is generally higher than you know most agencies out there. Got it, got it. So a deep understanding of the, of the, of the actual numbers and what they're exactly. really talking talking to you and what they mean for you instead of making not I don't want to say knee jerk decisions, but even people in podcasting do this. You look at numbers on certain ad campaigns, it's like, oh, let's do this. All right, let's let's stop yeah. this because it's not working. But there's a little bit yeah. more deeper of a, I guess a, a story that needs to be told there. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff, dude. So now I guess obviously Facebook has gone through a big change. The mm-hmm. iOS 14.5, I think update is, has um, wreaked havoc for a lot of people these past couple months, both business owners who are trying to promote mm-hmm. a product, but also people who are trying to promote things like a podcast or other yeah. um, non, maybe non-direct revenue related things. Um, for you, in, in terms of how things are shaking out with Facebook and Instagram, I want to know for you, what are you most excited about when it comes to Facebook ads nowadays? And then we can kind of dial this in and also want to talk to you a little bit about your podcast here in a second. But let's, let's tackle this one first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of things that I'm excited um, with Facebook, it's really more of a reversion to um, the past. So I think back when we first started, we didn't get that great of um, you know, kind of like data optimization as well as machine learning from Facebook. Whereas like these days we're thinking that, hey, maybe it's better for us to break things back out again instead of combining everything and letting Facebook do its job. We're finding that like there are just some old school strategies that are working better than ever. Like for example, breaking our retargeting campaigns into placements, into things like your iOS devices, Android, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's really, I think, at a tactical level, what we are seeing with Facebook. Um, but I think at a broad level, um, I'm really interested in t- to see how the, the lack of data would kind of affect and shake some of the advertisers out of the industry. And as a result, just, you know, give us the opportunity to, you know, double down more, knowing what we know works. And, you know, just using tools like Kairos to inform our decisions. So it's really, I think, uh, a game for those people who are willing to spend time to understand what's going on. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I, I, I do think <laughs> um, you've really got to be a student of the stuff, right? And understand yeah. <laughs> that it's not going to be something you can pick up overnight. You, you've got to study it for a while. And people are going to gravitate or clients are going to gravitate to the people who know their stuff inside and out and backwards and sideways. Exactly. Um, you know, I think there's, there's more and more of that kind of showing, um, when it looks, you look at results across the board for people. I know who advertise on Facebook. Um, so, so you're an interesting, so something I want to bring up because I think this is really interesting. You have something on your LinkedIn around who you help. And mainly it's a lot of times from what I've seen, it's, it's people in the education space. So mm-hmm. we're talking people who have a education-based product, whether that's a course or a program or maybe a school of some sort or an institute. Yeah. Um, could you share a little bit about, you know, because a lot of people here are in the education space, I would say, in some form or fashion, you're doing coaching or consulting. Um, in particular to that market, is there anything, I guess, on the fa- on the paid advertising side that is different from maybe running 
campaigns for like an agency or a done for you service. Um, when it comes to the ed- education space, cause I know a lot of people here are in that market and maybe running page traffic. Yeah. I, I think it's, there are two very clear groups um, in this space. First of all, there is the high ticket stuff. And, you know, the usual application funnel where you're sending traffic to kind of like a short video, having them watch it, and then they book a call and things like that. So that part of it has been standard for the longest time, and it still remains as the most profitable business model I've come across with the online education space. Then on the other hand, you have this, I would say, more personal brand-driven course creators well, more focused on, I would say, products below $1,000 with, I would say, limited support, but mainly just being information providers. And these are the people that are selling courses and multiple courses, not just relying on one that range anywhere from $49 to $1,000 or $2,000. And with this group of people, we find that it's more about building the ecosystem and combining organic Facebook uh, Instagram, even YouTube channels and other kind of stuff that they might have running for them. And kind of just building a flywheel of sort, kind of like a virtual cycle where um, you kind of build an audience using your organic channels or uh, email list. And then you kind of bring them into your ecosystem by upgrading and upselling everyone into a paid course. And you take on eventually all of the courses and maybe they even take a certification from you. And then because of just what they do, they continue teaching people and sharing your language and your courses and your knowledge with other people. And now those people come into your ecosystem and you know the cycle kind of repeats itself. So those are really two different business models that we see. Um, and I think I haven't seen anyone that has done both um, successfully at the same time, just because I think, um, that they require very different kinds of resources in a team. Like with a high ticket, you're talking about building a huge fulfillment team, about coaching, about you know customer support and things like that. With courses, on the other hand, there's a lot more hands-on work about recording, ed- video editing and things like that. So um, yeah, that's just what we genuinely see with this market. I love that. So the, I want to highlight something you said there. The most profitable type of business model you've seen or funnel model you've seen is is a high ticket model where it is they go from an ad to a video where they watch that and they, if it resonates with them then they fill out an application and they jump on a call with a salesperson or, a, or some kind of enrollment yeah. specialist exactly got it i love it okay cool and and honestly i've i've been a customer of both funnels and i've seen them work both but i haven't like to your point i haven't seen anybody do the both of them successfully at the same time i think yeah. it definitely depends on your on your personality and how you want to run a business. So I think that's really, 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 really um, interesting. Now I want to know for you, where does a podcast, if someone's a, who's a coach or a consultant and they maybe have a high ticket model, where does a podcast fit in all this? Cause I, I always, you know, I have my own opinions on where it fits in your ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your experience, someone who's running paid traffic, how can they use the podcast strategically to enroll more clients? Yeah. Um, Interesting you ask because I would say half of our clients who are high ticket all have podcasts. Um, the way we use it and see it being used right now is that, you know, if in a market, you can expect more or less 3% of people to convert um, right away off full traffic and maybe 7% of people to buy within a three to six month window. And then now you have this huge proportion, 90% of people who may not be your customers anytime soon. 
And what we find is that these people might be skeptical. They look at your video and then they decide to go to your website. They look at your reviews and hey, you got a podcast. We noticed over and over again, uh, we do have leads coming and booking a call nine months, 12 months, six months after they enter our uh, funnel or even our whole ecosystem. And they sign up for these calls and we know right away there is a 99% chance that they would sign up as a customer. And when we go back to look at all the sales calls, uh, the notes, we find that these calls are not only um, easy to close, but they only take 15 minutes as opposed to the normal average 30 to 60 minute sales calls. And not only that, do they only take 15 minutes, but they spend a whole 15 minutes telling you how much they need your program, how much they would love to work with you, how right. many of the podcasts you have listened to. Like I've listened to episode one, two, three, four, all the way to 84. And I was like, you listened to 84 episodes before you actually <laughs> signed up as a client. Like right. kudos to you, right? But yeah. it's, it's so amazing. So, um, and my salespeople often come to me and say, um, Jason, like X, Y, Z are great, prospects that we spoke to this week can you find more of these people and we go back into high ross um, we look at their history and these people opted in six months three months ago they clicked on our ads between six to 15 times over the last six months and they went to our review section they look at our podcast and that's exactly where we think it fits in in terms of paid traffic however we have not used podcasts extensively for building audiences because we feel like or rather based on our limited test of about ten twenty thousand dollars or so the yield from it is very low but where we really see it paying off is in the organic side of things when you include the podcast in your emails when you just put it on your website and feature it prominently and even on your landing page in the landing page that you send paid traffic to if you put your podcast episodes at the bottom it just boosts your credibility by so much more uh, because you actually have a show going on so all of those three places are where we have seen uh, podcasts being done effectively. I love it. I love that. And you know, what's funny, um, Jason's our agency has seen the same thing as well. Like we literally had a client, we've got a client who uses high roast right now. They're probably doing around set, like 1.5 million a year. And, mm-hmm. um, the, every time we talk is like, he's like, he's like the easiest sales we have is a, <laughs> are the ones who listen to the podcast. It's literally 15 minutes and it's, it's the easiest pay. It's a paid in full waiting to happen. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you see, it's interesting to see that actually you've seen the similar results. And I always try to like help people and who come to us figure out, okay, if you're doing paid ads, how does this podcast strategically fit in? So you mentioned a couple of really interesting things here. Number one, you guys are like putting it on your website, featuring it prominently. So when people go to your website or they've clicked on an ad and they're now they're kind of in your ecosystem, they see that you have this podcast that's for free and they can listen to you and get more, get to know you about about you more that's number one number two is you put them on on the on landing pages so um i want to know specifically you mentioned that you're putting them at the bottom of the landing page is that like before they opt in and enter their email yeah exactly it's basically on the bottom of the landing page so for usually what you see is um the only reason why people scroll down is because they're not interested in opting just yet so it's all about giving them opportunities to kind of learn more about you and to build that credibility or even relationship, especially if they have been burnt by other per- people before. So having a podcast that is just giving them a second chance to say, hey, I've got my content on demand. It's kind of like, this is my content. Go and sell yourself on this, you know? So this is really, I would say, a, a strategic way of doing it. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. I, I even challenged and, and see if you guys ask you guys or attested to putting it on the thank you page after the opt in or as well as like, Hey, listen, to yeah. the next three episodes. Um, um yeah, I would. So it, it all comes down or comes back down to what the purpose of that um, opt-in is. So after they opt-in, we want them to watch a video. And after they watch a video, we want them to um, fill out application. After they fill out application, we want to book a call. After they book a call, we want them to prepare for the call and do their homework. So there is something else that's more important than a podcast, which is understanding what is the program about that you schedule a call for and knowing all the facts and figures before they even come on the call. So you're not spending 30 minutes of the time trying to explain to them what the program is about. Um, so the podcast would be a distraction in that case because it would give them too much to work with. However, we do have one scenario where the podcast is featured at the bottom of the thank you page. Um, but it is not meant to be like, hey, now you just schedule a call, listen to my podcast right away. Right. We, we right. haven't seen that to be the case. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely, definitely wouldn't say I don't book a call funnel, probably something where it's like a, just got a free lead magnet and there's no call yeah. tied to the, to the end of it where it's just yeah. like, we want you to kind of dive into our world now. That would make more sense. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, so, so last thing I want to touch on here, Jason is, is really your podcast, which is the enrollment, the enrollment show, I believe it's called the enrollment podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. and really, uh, so tell me a little bit about, about why you guys started a podcast as an agency and also like what you guys, how you guys use it strategically to bring in more clients. Yeah. So back in 2018, uh, when I first started agency, I went from a freelance to kind of like a business owner. Um, I, we were before that we, we really had close to no case studies in the education space. It was just my work experience with two education companies and just one client we had back then. Um, who was in the education uh, coaching space. And what I did was I decided to play the long game and say, hey, you know what, let's you know try to find a niche. And at a point, I was all about traditional education. I was all about the degrees, the diplomas, uh, the master's programs. And so, I, I, you know, as you know, I'm situated thousands of miles away in Singapore and it's virtually impossible to ask or to try to find and, you know, close a college right in the middle of the United States. So I decided to say, hey, why don't we use a podcast for us to be able to connect with our dream Palm 100, get to know as many enrollment and admissions directors as possible. And at the same time, it is free market research because when you get to talk to these people, they tell you about their problems on the podcast. They tell you about the agencies or the kind of methods they use. They also tell you like how do they work and things like that. And that was the kind of insight I was really looking for. So I primarily use the podcast to build relationships to do market research. Now, today we no longer run that podcast because our agency is pretty much full, but also because we have pivoted. We moved from the traditional education space to focus more on online courses and, you know, kind of like coaches. We do still work with a number of colleges um, that we closed back then because they see the value in working with us. But we just know with the colleges and with, um, with universities, it's just so hard for us to run ads for them because um, if you are familiar with the higher education space, most of them with big budgets would give them to um, a, a head or main agency who then subdivides their budget to like 20, 30 different agencies to generate leads for them. And they yeah. only pay for leads. In other words, they all have dealt in um, systems 
where they know that no matter what leads come in, they will charge a certain price for it only. And that is only the worth of that lead. Even if they close the lead in five minutes, high quality leads, right. they will still pay that $20, $25 for it. So it became a game of who has the most capital and more skills to do that. I spoke to two agency owners who are playing in that space and they told me they have uh, between a million to $3 million cash sitting in their agency just for cash flow purposes because they have to pay for ad spend and then they have a net 45 or 90 where they get paid three months later. And the kid I'm churning this money over and over again, I was like, oh, I'm just starting out. I don't have a million dollars to play with them. Yeah. Right, so I... Right, yeah. Yeah, I decided that was that was not a game I wanted to play. Then there is still a segment of the smaller players that are kind of like the solo colleges. They, have, they don't belong to a group or a larger company or conglomerate. So these people um, face another problem. They do not have sales expertise within the company or a sales process. What they think is a salesperson or admissions person is essentially just a receptionist. Because back when, if you look at 1990s and 2000s, demand for education outstrips supply. That's the reason why we have so many institutions around. So the main reason why it struggled a lot with that is when we generate leads for them, they will pick up the call once. And if they don't pick up, it's considered a low quality lead. Like compared to the big boys, they don't know how to work those leads. And as a result, it was very difficult to get results for a lot of them. So right. that was the primary reason why we decided to say, we got to find a partner who already can lever on the effectiveness of paid advertising on lead generation and work those leads and still is in a space that we resonate a lot with. And that's the reason why we pivoted to just working with, you know, coaches and online, uh, online cost creators. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I want to circle back a second because you had said some really interesting things there on the podcast that how you used it, use it for market research um, mm -hmm. to figure out what the pain points were, get to build relationships, to figure out what their frustrations and current challenges that are going on in the market. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think a lot of people will, will say, okay, I have a podcast and I want to interview my dream clients, right? And they interview them, but there's no strategy or rhyme or reason or follow-up on how to work the relationship in a way that is going to be profitable in the back end. So for you, if we kind of rewind time and look at that podcast and how you used it, um, I'm curious as to what the follow-up was and if there was any at all. And also, mm -hmm. like, did you have the episodes transcribed? Like, how did you guys kind of pull out information that was important to you in the sales process from that podcast? Yeah, so we didn't do a direct upsell to any one of them because we felt that that would be distasteful, especially for these people who we invited yeah. for the show. Right. However, on the other hand, uh, what we did was, number one, it actually secured me um, an invitation to speak at the Social Media Strategy Summit in New York, which I went to just before COVID. That was like back in the, um, 2019, the, the late part of 2019. Um, so that was huge because I was spoke at a conference with over 200 admissions specialists or like admissions or, um, uh, directors over there as well. So that really got me connected to a lot of people. Um, the second thing as well is with the podcast, being a resource for other admissions directors that want to learn from other universities that are doing well, um, they were basically hooked. You know, they, they basically got them introduced to who AGCJ was. They came to find out more about what we do and eventually got to work with a, a number of them. So it was more of an inbound uh, kind of like strategy, um, a long play, not a direct high ROI play that is immediate, um, but it's definitely, you know, uh, incremental to what we did as an agency. Got it. Got it. In terms of like 
follow up after the podcast? Was there any email correspondence besides like, Hey, like your episode's done or, um, anything like that? Obviously you built relationships with them and you were able to kind of yeah. like, you know, have yeah. that, that standing relationship. Was so, there any other conversation yeah. that went along? I think uh, back to my earlier point about the, the bigger universities, one thing was that we invited the universities that were doing well already. So they right. didn't really have a reason to hire us or anything of that sort, but helping or kind of like getting connected with them so that eventually move to another kind of like an institute and keeping us in mind. So that really helped. Um, so we didn't have any direct call to action in that regard. Um, especially with this. So it really depends on the niche that you're playing. If you're playing the coaching niche, people know like with all these things, they reciprocate a lot, then it's easy. But with a lot of these universities, especially with what they call uh, River Limited. Um, so it's really funny because these, uh, these, these, yeah. these universities can sometimes have huge enrollment marketing budgets, but right. tiny hiring and manpower budgets. So you have admissions directors <laughs> that are your social media coordinators, that are your blog writers, they are like multiple things. And yet they have like a million dollars to spend on ads. So it's <laughs> a really different ball game when you're playing in this space. Um, so yeah, so I, I didn't have a direct um, ROI in that regard or rather direct kind of like a follow-up in that regard. But, you know, with that email, with them sharing, it really got us connected to a lot of people. I would say the other thing as well is when we had a college or a school book a call with us, we could point them to the podcast or they eventually went to a website and saw the podcast themselves and be like, hey, so you're kind of connected. You're kind of well experienced in this space. That got us over the hump where we didn't need to prove to them that we knew how, to, how higher education institutions work. So that was, that was a huge difference maker as well in the sales process. Got it. Got it. Very good stuff there, uh, Jason. In, in terms of how you would play it now, let's say you were starting a podcast now or you were, you guys are going to do this all over again and with a different market yeah. and knowing what you know now, is there anything you would change in the strategy or like what would you do to make it as effective as possible to fit into how you guys um, bring on yeah. clients and, and enroll people? Well, as an agency, I'm not so sure about the whole idea of um, creating our own podcast. Um, I would definitely love to be guest featured on other podcasts instead because I think when it comes to podcasting, distribution is more important than a content, even though both are just as, I mean, you could argue that content is really important, but distribution is a lot more important. Uh, with, of course, with bad content, with great distribution, it doesn't do much, but you don't need to have excellent content to see an ROI on the podcast. But if I were to start it today, and this is only assuming that we are aiming to grow our agency to like multiple seven and like eight figures, um, what we would be doing is to use it the same way that our, our clients use it as well, to place it in you know, a couple of strategic places as well. And I wouldn't want to run a podcast myself just because of how much energy it takes. Um, I would actually hire a, a kind of like proper podcast um, host to do the interviews who really enjoy doing this uh, and to use that as a way to build our SEO up and do the long-term play. Anything to me that's organic in general, it's a long-term play. And I just do that for not just branding purposes, but also that long-term nurture kind of traffic because it's about marketing to the people who are unseen, people who are just loitering around and you want some to put something out there so that they can sell themselves on it. Got it. Got it. I, I appreciate that answer, man. That's a very, very great, well thought out answer in terms of like 
the approach, like obviously as an agency at your scale, it's like, it makes sense to do podcast guesting as much as podcast interviews or having, having it to where it's like maybe 60, 70% podcast interviews, you going on other shows. Um, if you have the budget and the time to do that, and then having a small podcast that's really just around nurturing leads and nurturing and building relationship. Um, so I appreciate that, man. Um, mm-hmm. Jason, is there anything else that I didn't ask you that would be super helpful to our audience that you want to cover? Hmm. No, I think, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Cool. Awesome. Um, where can people find out more about you, about agency J and what you guys are doing? Yeah, I think the best place is to look us up at agencyj.co or you can search Jason Howe at on, on Facebook, connect with me and just let me know that you found us through your podcast. I'll be more than happy to connect with other people. Cool. Awesome. Jason, thank you so much for your time, man. I wish you the best with Agency J and everything else you're doing. And it was an honor having you on. Yep. Same here. Thanks for having me, Lewis.